Hey, it's great to be with you folks here at Faith Assembly. You folks have been supporting our church planning and ministry in Germany for over 30 years. I know most of you aren't that old, but I am, and a lot of you are too, by the way. But um, it's, it's really cool because when we look back over the years, we were able to start five different churches, and these churches are still going on. Just recently, I spoke in the Saarbrücken Church in the French border that we turned over to a national pastor almost 15 years ago. It was so cool talking to the pastor that they're baptizing people. People are still coming to the Lord. So, you know, church planning is really where it's at. And then I was here five years ago. Most of you don't remember that, but we were actually seeking God's direction for a new church plant. And you saw the result here on this video, Bregenz, Austria, and where we started. And it's just incredible what God has done. It's kind of interesting, the lady Renata you saw there, she was actually lived in Bregenz and she was a part of the Lindau Church. And we were talking to her about you know, people helping us to start a church. And she said, you know, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's going to work out. Of course, she didn't know who I was, an American coming into her city to start a church. But it's kind of funny when we started our first service, Renata came. And the great thing was her husband, who had not been coming to church really before, came with him. And Eugen has been a part of the church ever since then. We baptized him and people are coming to know the Lord. And it's really exciting, folks. Um, and I just want to just, just share a little bit about a testimony because I think it's important tonight. After we heard the worship, I just need to share this. You see, some people ask, well, Paul, how did you become a missionary? The fact is, I was kind of like, I would almost say, born behind the eight ball. I was born legally blind. As, this, as going to school, I had to always read real close like this reading, and I was bullied. Back then, we didn't talk about bully, but man, I was it was really not good. But you know, God's grace had, has worked in my life, and there's a scripture I just need to share with you tonight because I think this is important after what we've, what we've heard through the worship. What the apostles Paul says, he said to me, and that's what Paul says, he, God said to me, God saying to you, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The message translation says, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Isn't that incredible? When I look at my life, folks, I just never thought things could happen the way they have. But you know, if you hang on to God, and I know there are dark days and sometimes you don't feel like it, you don't sense anything, God can do incredible things. And I want to share with you tonight just this one thought that you and I both have limitations. But because of our limitations, God in his creative way can do incredible things and use us in incredible ways if we seek him. And I'm going to conclude just with a couple of prayer requests that we have. Pray for workers because we're looking at starting a new church in Liechtenstein. That's this little country that's only about 20 miles away. We're praying that God will raise up workers. We need workers who will come and work in, in media, music, children, and, and, and youth because we want to reach our area. It's a very unevangelized area. Sometimes we feel like we're in the trenches, but God has called us to the difficult areas. And just, just one last thought before I... I um, turn this back over to Marcos, Pastor Marcos. Um, I was just a little discouraged just recently, thinking, you know, Paul, you started this church four years ago, 50 to 60 people come on a Sunday morning, which is for our standards, like in the city of Bregenz, like a mega church. But I was discouraged, you know? And sometimes when I walk into churches like this, I'm really discouraged. But okay, um, the thing is, all of a sudden in that service, Connie started praying. She said, God, thank you that Paul and Meshtel Clark came to Bregenz 
because she's a brand new Christian and her family's been going through so many things. Her daughter is actually in some kind of rehab because she has eating disorders. And then it's just like, hey, that's what it's all about. It's for people like Connie. It's for individuals. And God has touched a lot of individuals. And we believe that the new churches that will be started, other individuals will be touched by the grace of God. And I want to thank you guys one more time for standing with us for over 30 years. You guys have been generous. You're the greatest. And God bless. Awesome. Praise God. Church, when you see Paul after church, make sure you shake his hand. These missionaries have given their all. And there are many incredible missionaries like that uh, that just give their whole life to the gospel. And so we are getting ready to sow now into their ministry. So ushers, help us as we prepare to receive a missionary offering for the Clarks tonight. You're able to give today in the physical offering, but also through the app and also in the kiosks. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer to pray for the offering. And we'll also lift up. Ah, the people of Puerto Rico, bow your heads, please. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for the faithfulness of missionaries like the Clarks. We're so excited and so eager to be able to sow, Lord, into their lives so that you can continue to do amazing things, Father, in Germany and Austria and that entire region, Lord. Your word said, do not ask if, if the harvest is ready. Lift up your eyes because the harvest is ready. The fields are white. So God, we give with excitement but also with urgency that the work may be completed, Lord, for the preparation of your coming. We give you glory, Lord, for this opportunity. We ask you to bless every giver, Father, that we may be a blessing in Germany and uh, in Puerto Rico, places like that as well. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, and thank you for doing something. Um, Alice and I, we just gave on my phone, which took all of probably 25 seconds. So uh, if you have not downloaded the church app and you don't know anything about that kind of thing, why don't you stop out at the uh, info desk? I'm sure there's somebody out there that can help you. Um, please download the app. It's so easy. You know what happens? This is the miraculous thing that happens. A few moments ago, I got on my phone. I pulled up the church app. I hit it. I said, give to Curry Ford Campus. I hit it. I uh, went in. There, our missionary's name is there, and so I scrolled up, hit the amount, um, and out of my phone, Pastor Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, out of my phone, zipping through the air somewhere, is money, and zip right up to our computers, isn't it? Hopefully. Well, it'll eventually get there, all right? So anyway, uh, that money goes into our computers and doesn't have to even be counted. It just automatically posts, right? All right, yes, automatically posts. It's a miracle of God, all right? So anyway, money floating through the air. Don't you wish you could catch it? All right, so anyway, um, so it's amazing what the phone can do today. The internet is amazing, amazing, and uh, Paul is just one of my all-time favorite missionaries. Um,
We have 800 and something, so that's saying a lot. But uh, he is one of my favorite. He has been diligent, uh, serving over there, he and his wife and family. Um, it's been over 30 years you've been there, though, right? And a little over 30 years, and um, somehow or another, we picked him up. I don't even know how. But um, the faithfulness is, um, that I've seen. And, um, you know, I don't know. Were you ever, ever able to buy a house in Germany? You were? Oh, praise God. Oh, glory to God. That's amazing because I know several years ago, I was... He and I were working with the World Mission Department, trying to, our best to talk them into allowing all of our missionaries overseas at some point to be able to buy a house because they start out with low rent, and then the rent gets more and more and more and more. So anyway, I I'm, I'm rejoice with that. Praise God. Well, um, thank you, Pastor Marcos, for mentioning that church in Guayanilla. Um, and uh, I'm so thrilled he told me today what was going on down there with the distribution out of that church that we helped uh, start building uh, many years ago. So we're going to pray before we get into the word. Proverbs chapter 6, uh, Chloe Aldridge, uh, pregnant 35 weeks in desperate need of a, a, just a miracle. Uh, God works miracles. Larry Swinburne had quadruple bypass. He oversees all of our custodial here at the church, and he's doing well. Um, Carlos Castillo, um, one of our ushers on Sunday morning, had a kidney transplant. I talked to him today. He's doing super, super good. And, uh, just doing incredible. Praise God. And uh, so I want to add to this list, James Palmer, um, He's a part of our church, and he needs a kidney transplant, and I'm believing for a miracle for his life. So let's just pray. Maybe you know somebody that needs prayer. Lift them up in prayer. Father, thank you for touching Chloe tonight. I ask you for a miracle. In the name of Jesus, my Lord and my God, touch her. Touch this child. Touch her body, oh God, to produce what it needs this moment in time in Jesus' name. And I give you praise for that. Thank you for Larry. Thank you for Carlos and touching their bodies in a rapid, miraculous recovery already. We see. And Lord God, we lift up James Palmer and I ask you, oh Lord, touch his body. I ask you, Father, oh God Almighty, intervene. Lord, I pray that he would be able, Lord, to receive this uh, transplant that's so needed in his life. But God, touch him. Lord, you can perform a miracle. We ask for that first in Jesus' name. Lord God, touch every person in this building who has someone on their heart. Lord, whether they're sick or uh, just has some other need, touch them, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This Friday night right here in the auditorium is prayer at 7 o'clock from 7 to 9. Uh, over in the youth ministry building is the ministries conference for all the volunteers of our church and all that are interested in becoming a uh, team member uh, serving in this church, really uh, ultimately servant leaders in this church. So um, anyway, that starts at 7 o'clock prayer over there. And then 
afterwards going into a service and uh, then Saturday. So it's going to be great. Proverbs chapter 6. The book of Proverbs is certainly just an incredible book full of practical uh, things and and yet um, things that are needed and necessary in people's lives, especially as we grow in God and and grow in the area of our society as far as business, as far as work, and and all of those things. Christians should, uh, once they come to a person comes to Christ, should be a great worker. They should learn. They should apply themselves. They should read the Word. Uh, I'm I'm saying this a lot lately. The Bible is not just for information. The Bible is for us to read and then do it. Say Amen. All right. So, uh, thank God we read it and we do it. We don't just read it and not do it. We read it and we do it. So, we're in this uh, Daniel fast, and our missionary brought chocolate cake and uh, chocolate chip cookies up there on the screen earlier. Nobody was tempted, right? No, good. Nobody was tempted. Uh, Who was tempted? All right. All right, one of you. All right, okay, two of you, three. All right, Uh, you'll get over it. All right, so anyway, this fast has been great. I feel better. Uh, I don't know if I look better, but I feel better. All right, so anyway, I encourage you. Maybe you haven't even started it. Maybe you haven't joined in. No meat, no bread, no dessert. No meat, no bread, no dessert. No meat, no fish included. No bread and no dessert. So easy, Uh, eating good. Uh, vegetables, soups, uh, uh, salads, and uh, for breakfast, uh, organic oatmeal, and a half a banana, and blueberries, and walnuts. That Oh, my goodness. I could eat some right now. All right, so it's incredible. I eat it every morning. I've eaten it for, uh, I don't know, forever, seems like. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. So if you haven't joined us, jump in. Proverbs 6, chapter uh, 6, 1 and 2. My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you become a co-signer for your friend, if you have shaken hands and pledged for a stranger. All right. Um, It's interesting, all the things uh, that Proverbs covers. And yet, over the years, I've seen the essential importance of what Solomon shared with future leaders in Israel and certainly here in our church, uh, we've got a vast array of people. Some of you uh, work in the medical field. Some of you teach. Some of you, I don't know what you do. No matter what you do, all work is good. Say amen. Or, well, I, I, most work is good, all right? If you're, uh, uh, maybe if there are some areas that you shouldn't work in, but most work in general is just good. And uh, some of you have businesses, and that's great. And uh, I pray that if God leads others of you to start a business, start a business, but do it right, okay? So we're going to get into this. Uh, Don't co-sign for anybody. Some of you are saying, oh, no, uh, I've already done that and uh, been there. Um, I don't want, don't raise your hand if the person is here, all right, with you, all right? But how many of you have ever co-signed for somebody? Anybody here? All right, a few of you. Well, obviously, you didn't know this scripture. Now you know it, all right? You could probably give testimony to this. All right, a cosigner tends to, when you get someone to cosign with you, there, there seems to be something 
in the person that got you to co-sign it that their seriousness about that loan or whatever it is just diminishes a little bit in their lives. They're, they have backup, in other words. They have backup. And then, of course, you, on the other hand, if you co-sign, and there is one exception, and I'll make it at the end, but uh, if you co-sign, uh, that person's financial behavior is going to impact your financial life to some degree or another. And if they bomb out, which I have come across many of those over the years, then who, guess who they're going to come after? They're going to come after you. And so that is why the Word is telling us, and Solomon is amazing, all these years ago, don't co-sign, he says. Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And also, I would say, uh, if you are approached by someone to give them a loan, a personal loan. You better take a contract. Well, I would say don't do it at all. But if you feel like that there's God leading you to, you better have a contract. You better have witnesses. You better have signed signatures. Do not. I don't even care if it is with a Christian. I don't care if it's with a preacher. Do not, all right? loan them money and uh, not have a contract, all right? It's just a lot of people have destroyed relationships and, uh, and then financial duress as a result. Years and years ago, before I knew better, uh, I had a man in our church come to me and uh, he was a good guy. I, I loved him dearly, but um, he wasn't really practicing being a godly steward, uh, if you know what I mean. In other words, I, I don't think he was tithing, but he came to me and asked for a personal loan. And I, you know, I grimaced and finally I said, okay. I didn't get him to sign anything. I mean, you just feel odd a little bit as a Christian. I don't care if you feel odd, get the paper out, all right? But uh, I, I went ahead, loaned him the money, and then something interesting happened. He was a church member. He came to church over at Goldenrod. And then it was like he avoided me. And uh, the longer the, it went on that he didn't pay it back, the more he avoided me. And it was so weird. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And he felt bad because he either couldn't pay me back or didn't pay me back. He felt bad. No, he obviously couldn't, but uh, he felt bad about it. So he just stayed away from me. Uh, I don't remember if he hung out in the back of the church or not. Um, but anyway, finally, I'm like, this is disgraceful. It's terrible. I'm going to go to him. I went to him. I said, listen, I, I just want to tell you, don't worry about that loan. Uh, it's canceled, paid in full. You're, you're uh, taken care of. And yet there was still that, I could sense there was still that little bit of tendency. So I'm just telling you. Keep yourself out of trouble. Go, uh, go to the Word. And if somebody comes to you and says, can you co-sign? I'm, so, I'm really sorry, but I can't. The Bible right there, Proverbs chapter 6. I wish I could. I really do. But Solomon, one of the wise, God gave him wisdom. And here it is. I, ah, what can I say? I'll pray for you. All right, so anyway, uh, 
you know, what else can you say? I had some, a relative lives you know, somewhere else. Uh, not long ago, called me up and wanted me to co-sign for their, their child. And I'm like, I, I can't. And, and, of course, I wanted to help him uh, by giving him valuable information because he had a little business. And I'm like, well, what, what is he charging? And da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This, th- he's going in the hole. And uh, so I tried to share, and, and I got nowhere. And so I was not about to co-sign for a $5,000 lawnmower. Uh, My yard is too little for a $5,000 lawnmower, all right? So I would have had to repossess it, all right? So, and uh, this big, wide lawnmower out in my backyard. All right, so uh, here's Paul, or Paul, here's Solomon saying, don't co-sign. And uh, here I'm telling you, do not uh, make personal loans to people unless you, unless you don't care if you get it back. And and then if you don't care if you get it back, when they ask for a loan, just say, here, here, it's just a gift. I'm giving it to you. I'm I'm not even going to loan it to you. If you don't care if you get it back, then just give it to them. All right, because that can cause problems in your relationship and uh, it's just not worth it. And then while I'm thinking about it, let me go ahead and say this because some of you may already have a business or maybe you're going to start one one day. But if you do and you have, quote, investors, um, first of all, I do not recommend it at all. I recommend if you're going to start a business, uh, don't start it unless you can go it on your own. But uh, if you do start it, make sure that they are minority owners or better yet, just investing the money. They don't become part ownership, even 10 or 15% or anything because that can cause also serious problems. Uh, Not long ago, a businessman in this city I was at his place of business, and he mentioned he was going to start another place of business. And I'm like, oh, and he's talking to me. He said, yeah, I'm going in with somebody. I'm like, ooh. He's like, what? And I'm like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And uh, and so finally, I, I didn't know what happened, but I was back there not long ago, and he said, hey, I took you up on that offer. And, uh, and so i going in on my own, and God, God's going to, he's going to be so, so thankful that he did that because especially I've seen good people, Christian people, they have, you own 50%, they own 50%. It is a nightmare All right, I took a couple, uh, when we were planning to build this church, I took a couple out because the whole program was, uh, you know, sharing with people and getting them to catch the vision. And I took them out, Alice and I, and we're sitting there and I'm telling them about the program, what we want to do down here and uh, what God, I believe, is saying to our church at that time. And he says to me, well, I really want to help. I really want to get involved. I really want to do something significant, but I got to ask my partners. And when I heard that, I thought, oh, my Lord. Here's a man doing all the work, started it up, and yet he's like, he owns 40 or 8 or 49%. He has no final decisions. 
None. Even though he's doing all the work, no final decision. He can't even go to them, which he did go to them and say, I want to do something for my church. And you know what their response is? Well, if you want to do something, you can do something, but the company is not going to do it. And my heart sunk at that because here's a man, a great man, a good man now in heaven that his attitude was, I want to help, I want to give, and now he's gotten into a business entanglement that he cannot get out of and never did to my knowledge. All right, here's four facts of co-signing. Quickly, I'll give them to you. Proverbs gives a command to not co-sign. Proverbs 22 26, Solomon not only talked about it in chapter 6, he talks about it in 22. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts. All right, number two, Proverbs commands us to get out of it as quickly as possible. This is, this is interesting. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 3 through 5. He says, Solomon with all the wisdom of God. This is the wisdom of God in Solomon being written down and given to us. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself, for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go, humble yourself, plead with him. Give no sleep to your eyes, nor slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler, a fowler, a trapper of, of uh, birds and a gazelle. You can just imagine a, a wild animal caught in a trap and uh, Solomon is saying, with the effort of an animal, wild animal caught in a trap, trying to break free, trying to get out of that cage, uh, you have the same energy to get out of that thing you have co-signed. Absolutely incredible. This scripture would save people a lot of heartache if they had known about it or put it into practice. Number three, co-signing is a lack of understanding. Uh, okay, maybe I shouldn't read this, but Proverbs 17, verse 18. All right, now we all know. A man devoid of understanding. In other words, someone who doesn't know what the word says shakes hand in a pledge and becomes surety for his friend. Uh, for his friend. And then what happens? The implication is he was his friend. Uh, after uh, this shakes out, he's probably not going to be the same measure of friend he was because of the one he co-signed for. Number four, suffering is promised to the co-signer. All right, Proverbs eleven fifteen. He was surety for a stranger will suffer. But one who hates uh, being sure, but one who hates being surety is secure. All right. Do you know why most people need a a cosigner? Here's why most people need a cosigner is because they can't afford it. All right. That is why they need. You didn't know when you came tonight you were going to get a financial lesson. I, I should have had Pastor Ben up here share because of uh, his financial background. But it's uh, a good application of truth to our lives. 
The reason they, can't, they need a cosigner is because they probably cannot afford what they're about to buy. So the bank is hesitant, or somebody is, and they say, uh, you're a risk. You're too big a risk for me, but if you get a cosigner so that if you drop out or bomb like I think you might, then this person is going to pick you up and pay the debt that we don't think you may pay back to us. So that's how this drops. Proverbs chapter 6. All right, well, we already read that. Deliver yourself take as an animal taken out of a net or trying to get out of a net. Now, let me give you one maybe exception. The only time we might be or may uh, go ahead and co-sign is when it's immediate family and provision has been made to pay the debt. And so in other words, if it's an immediate family and you really don't care, if something happens legitimately, not that they just bomb out, but something happens legitimately, you don't care because you're there to help them get further along in life for whatever reason. All right, now Solomon changes gears and he goes to the instruction of more work or more work related as far as Christians are concerned. And he says, here it is, the title, Learning Diligence from the ant. Learning diligence from the ant. Proverbs chapter uh, 6, 6 through 11, it addresses the pupil, uh, not as who he is, but as he may become if he doesn't take observation of, and print of principles that the ant can supply for him. All right? Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 and 9. Uh, Solomon says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? So apparently, back in Solomon's day, apparently there were lazy people too. All right, so apparently all the way back there. Can you believe it? Uh, there have been lazy people ever since, well, uh, Adam and Eve, no indication they were, well, I, anyway, forget them. All the way through history, there have been lazy people. And here we are in 2020, and we still have lazy people. So Solomon is saying, if you want to be a sluggard, you just fall into the trap or the rut uh, of not taking heed, not learning, not applying yourself. But he says, go to the ant. When is the last time you went outside, bent over, found an ant, and checked it out? Solomon is saying, if you need to, go find an ant. If you don't have this wisdom already, go find the ant. And uh, obviously Solomon had observed the ants. How many of you have ever just stood around and looked at ants before? I mean, they're amazing little creatures. Uh, I had a, I brought or had some kind of experiment where I packed the jar with dirt and, and, and scooped up a bunch of ants. And instead of, you know, seeing them all at the top like, you know, what are we, what are we doing in here? I, immediately they just set about, they just went to work. They went to work. And while I'm sleeping, or I guess, I don't know, do ants sleep? 
I, I don't know. Uh, I, surely ants have to sleep sometimes. So anyway, but they, what did they do? They just started making tunnels in the glass, in the dirt, so that they could continue to survive. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I took a knife and I punched it in the top. Unfortunately, I punched it too big and a bunch of them got out. But, um, you know, you live and learn. Okay, anyway, so go to the ants. So here's some facts about ants. On a Wednesday night, Bible study, you're learning facts about ants. All right, so here they are. Number one, they are the most laborious uh, insects in existence. They labor harder than any other insect in existence or known existence, all right? They work quietly without show. They just go about their business. They're not looking, hey, somebody look at me. Look what I did. All right, so, no, they just go about working without show. Number three, they work until the work is done. Now, that one I'm not sure about. What do they do after the work is done? I, I, I don't, the work is never done. That, well, this is wrong. Anyway, the work is never done. Number four, all right, they work together in great organization to the best interest of the whole community. We're going to be dealing with that whole aspect in the ministries conference, all of us working together to make ministry happen. They are, number five, ingenious builders building their homes in underground tunnels. Number six, they keep their homes scrupulously clean. Look at that. Number seven, every ant has a job to help meet the needs of the community. or the It's all family in the hill there anyway. And so they all have a job. They're all working. And so Solomon is saying, folks, leaders, he is saying to them, look at the ant. Uh, uh, work quietly without show. Uh, work uh, uh, and, and work together with others uh, and apply yourself. Learn how to do different things. Uh, Larry, uh, well, he helps his daughter. She's a single mom and, and uh, fix things. And uh, you know, he he's, would go over and help her, but then he, she's learning herself, and she's, uh, he's teaching her, and she's going online and finding out how to do stuff uh, online and, and Googling videos and this kind of thing. And when I was there visiting before the surgery, they said, yeah, Heather was looking at a, her washing machine and trying to fix it. And immediately I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, my God, have mercy. No. Have any of you ever looked under a washing machine? When I heard that, I'm like, there's no way. Years ago, when our dryer would break, it's a piece of cake. Some people, their dryer breaks, they throw it away and get another one. It's an element on the back or the sim a simple, simple, simple fix. But when my washer broke down when we, after we first got married and we didn't have much money and, and you folks didn't pay as much at the time. And so uh, I, I was like trying to fix my own washing machine and, and I, you know, I leaned it over and looked under and I'm like, Oh, my Lord. And I just put it back down. I'm like, either a genius invented that, or it was the dumb, it was a, somebody playing a trick on everybody that was going to try to fix it. 
It was, it was crazy. I could not believe what I was looking at. And to hear that Heather had already fixed part of it and she Googled another part. To, I'm like, what a brilliant woman. I'm like, incredible. And you ladies that are here, instead of getting taken advantage of, your dryer break, you Google it. And then you call Pastor Wayne and Servant Hand Ministries and tell him, get out here. I've got the video. It'll show you how to fix it. All right. So anyway, or fix it yourself. Okay. If you can't get them in time. All right. Number eight, they fight to the death to protect their own homes and their young from enemies. They fight to death to protect their own homes. Number nine, they work without being forced to do so by an overseer. A boss, they work, and they don't have to be uh, overseen. Uh, they don't have to be managed. See, that's the kind of worker Solomon is talking about. He's talking about Christian workers in 2020 that will work when the boss is not there. And that's something. Now, I, I will admit that um, I... I, even before I became pastor, I worked without having somebody stand over me. Um, I grew up on a farm. We worked hard. Um, I believed in work. I, I hated lazy. Uh, we, were, we were working with a bunch of high school kids uh, gathering crops. And, and uh, I told this one guy, I said, hey, grab that. And, uh, and we were they were literally, dad grew tobacco, forgive me. But anyway, uh, dad grew tobacco. So we were cropping tobacco, and I was uh, on there helping and overseeing, and, and the tractor got to the end of the road. They all wanted to take a break. I'm like, turn this thing around, turn it around, get going again. And I was a slave driver. Um, and I've, I'm so far from that today. I am just so totally I am still a little part of that. Anyway, there's a, somewhere way down deep inside, he still exists. But uh, this guy wouldn't do what I asked him to do, and I just knocked him off the trailer. And uh, I hate, hated lazy. I still, I still, I love you if you're lazy. But I don't like lazy. And so I'm just telling you, God loves lazy people. God loves you. I, I, I don't really know how, but God loves lazy people. Somehow or another, he has the capacity to love lazy people. But we don't have to be lazy, and we shouldn't be lazy. And we should be the kind of spirit-filled believer that doesn't need somebody to stand over and we take charge. We're a manager. We, we, you know, we, don't, we do our job. We look for better ways to do it. And uh, we do things even before we're asked. We don't just sit around, well, they didn't tell me. And even though we know, no, we get things done. We don't need somebody saying, no, nah, you got to stay here and you got to do this. And No, we don't need that as believers. No, no, no. We're not sluggards. We're not lazy. And if we're, there's that element maybe that you know, was a part of our character growing up, unshackle yourself tonight, all right? Walk out of this. You walked in lazy, you're going to walk out different, all right? You're going to walk out non-lazy, all right? I, I can't believe anybody here would be lazy. I'm looking around. I see no one lazy, all right? I see no one. And I hope that no one that knows you 
thinks you're lazy. Because I don't know you, most of you that well. So you could be lazy and get away with it around me. But you can't get away with it with everybody. If you're lazy, somebody's going to know it. And then they're going to say it. And it's going to impact your testimony. They said, they're, they're a Christian, but they're lazy. And so you do not want that testimony. Um, Solomon, <laughs> bless you, Solomon. Um, I hope he got to heaven. That's questionable. All right, but uh, anyway, he was full of wisdom. He was full of pertinent truth that will help us in life. And chapter 6 if we would apply this to our lives and say, you know what, I, w- I want to be different. I, I want to be a go-getter. Uh, I, I'm not talking about working yourself to death. I'm talking about not having someone to stand over our lives. I'm talking about a good testimony. I'm talking about someone that is, makes uh, Christianity look good. All right, let me just put it that way. Uh, in Brazil years ago, I used to hear that all the Christians, everybody wanted to hire them because they knew they had such a testimony in Brazil. I hope they still do. Years ago, they had such a testimony that companies wanted to hire Christians because there was such a work element in their lives. They wanted Christians. They were so marked. Um, I'm, I don't think that's the case in America. Not a reflection of our church. There's those other out there, all right? So anyway, it's, uh, but may this be true of faith assembly. If any of you are working anywhere and somebody says, where do you go to church? If you're lazy, don't tell them, all right? So just don't tell them. Keep it to yourself, all right? Just tell them you go somewhere, all right? But don't tell them here because immediately they'll think we're all lazy. And that's not the case. So, and better yet, just change your testimony. Dear God, help us. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know how we go into an altar appeal, Lord, but there are people here that need Christ. Lord, I ask you, move over this body of believers. I ask you, Lord God, to help us all. There's areas of every one of our lives that need improvement, without exception here. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help all of us where we are weak. God, help us. We need you. Lord, in our weakness, you become our strength because we yield to your strength. God, help us to do that. Lord, the next time we see an ant, may it bring a reflection of this scripture and a remembrance thereof and a further challenge, Lord, to our own lives. Bless these people, Lord God. Bless their lives. Bless their work. Bless their families. Bless their finances. Bless them in every measure. Lord God Almighty, fill people with your spirit, the spirit of your presence. Oh God, in Jesus' name. While every head is bowed, let me just ask, 
You walked into this building tonight and you're not a believer. You're not a follower of Christ. The biggest need in your life right now, the biggest need in your life is not more money. Nothing compares to your need of Christ. You may think, well, if I, I really need this. You may need it, but you don't need it to the same degree. You need Christ. And so if you're here and you need God's forgiveness, you need to get right with God, why don't you right now so we can pray for you? Why don't you right now just slip your hand up high. Let me see it. I'm going to pray for you. Anybody in this building, just lift it up high. Lift it up high. Quickly, just lift it up. You need prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless. Anyone else here? Just lift your hand. Anyone else? The greatest thing you can do is say yes to God. God bless you. Anyone else in this building? Do you know why you feel like you do right now? Because the Holy Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God sent by the Son and the Father to this earth to indwell us. The Holy Spirit comes into our life, into our spirit, and changes our spirit. Our spirit, which before Christ is dead to Christ. It's alive to the flesh and self but it's dead to Christ. But tonight, your spirit can come alive to Christ. Anybody else? Right before we pray. Anybody else? Lift your hand high. Do it now if you, you're here. God, anybody else? Father, in the name of Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, touch these dear people that just lifted their hand. Holy Spirit of God, do a mighty heart work in their heart, in their spirit. God, help them to open the door to you. Lord, help them to unlock the door and open it up. God, in Jesus' name, Holy Spirit of God, move upon their hearts. Stand with us, please, everyone. The picture, the picture of Christ standing at the door knocking. Everybody's familiar with that picture. Standing at the door knocking. You look at the door, there's no doorknob. No, the doorknob is on the inside. Christ is standing outside of our lives knocking. We're on the inside. We have to turn the lock. We have to say, come in. And that's what this is about, saying, come in. I need you come into my life so as Pastor Charlie leads us in a chorus if you raise your hand I want to challenge you to come to this altar and just come and stand here and say Jesus I need you forgive me and then if you have other needs in your life you're a believer there are other needs in your life maybe maybe you're a relationship with someone as a result of some financial transaction has caused a breach so I pray God give you wisdom and I would encourage you to come and stand there and say, God, I need wisdom. How to handle this. These are the kind of things we need to pray about and for. So lead us, Pastor Charlie. 
If you raise your hand, let me challenge you. Don't wait. Don't hold back. Step out and come. Make your way to this altar. Let's pray in Jesus' name. My Lord and my God. Yes, let me encourage you. From the back, why don't you step out over here? Why don't you just come and let's pray together before you leave this building. Father, in Jesus' name, my Lord and my God. Oh, my God and my Lord, my God and my Lord. Jesus, Holy Spirit of God. Holy, Holy Spirit of God. My Lord and my God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Listen, if you need Christ, these altars are open. Let me challenge you to come. Pastor Charlie is going to lead us in a chorus. And these altars, as always, are open after this prayer. And Pastor Wayne is here to serve communion to those of you who'd like to come and partake. God bless you richly. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this word that changes us, challenges us to be the people of God on this earth that will show the goodness of a God that touches every single person. Lord, thank you because you are part of every single area of our lives and you empower us to work and to testify of how you are a God that's still at work. Father, in this time, in this season, Father, we declare that you are gonna change our hearts to become better, to become more proactive, to become more productive, Father. It's because of you in our lives. So we ask of you, Holy Spirit, keep filling us up. Keep teaching us, God. We're open to you, Lord. Thank you for your blessing on this word, God. And we are going to be fruitful for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's children right now say it loud, amen. God bless you, church. Don't forget to greet brothers and sisters and love on them on your way out. You're dismissed. All the